Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 297 of Cyclocross Radio. On this show, we are back in the media pit, and no real agenda except uh, three more things that I think you may hate about cyclocross that I bring in and we discuss. And then after that, we talk a little bit about the road season and how our cyclocross friends are faring in the biggest races of the year. This episode is brought to you by Hammerhead and the Crew 2. If you are dreaming of adventures and exploring a new unknown path, the Hammerhead Crew 2 is your adventure companion. It can help you see what lies ahead, whether a steep incline, windy descent, or simply some new place and wonderful uh, area waiting to be explored. If you want to get more out of your rides this summer, the Crew 2 helps you find your path forward and unlock your full potential on every ride. Most advanced GPS cycling computer available today with industry-leading mapping, navigation, and routing capabilities that set it apart from other GPS options. You get free global maps with points of interest included like cafes, campsites. It means you can explore with confidence and on-the-go flexibility. Hammerhead is offering listeners of Cyclocross Radio the opportunity to get a free heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Hammerhead Crew 2. If you visit hammerhead.io, put the heart rate monitor and the Crew 2 into your basket and then use the promo code CXRADIO, C-X-R-A-D-I-O, at checkout, you will get that heart rate for no charge. So head on over to hammerhead.io and pick up a crew too and a heart rate monitor on us. Along with Hammerhead, we are also brought to you by the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network. Head on over to wideanglepodium.com. Become a member. Choose a show that you want to support. We would love for you to support Cyclocross Radio, but we also have shows like Slow Ride Podcast, Criterium Nation. Rob is doing a lot of work breaking down new crit series so that's really worth listening to grodio nowhere fast all the shows here on the network wideanglepodium.com go check it out all right we're in the media pit we got michael and zach we're talking about three things you're gonna hate and some road racing and we're doing all of it right now we are back in the media pit. We said we'd take a few weeks, and uh, we took a few weeks. So what are we doing here? Well, I'll I'll tell you what we intended to do, and then we'll see, and then it'll kind of be a choose-your-own-adventure from there. So we have a couple things. You know, we have a lot of cyclocross stars on the men's side who are doing things on the road. So we, we, we wanted to talk about that. Uh, but then just as we were sitting around, uh, even just in the green room before this and a little bit before I came up with three ideas that I think I like to do that. I think people are going to hate. Uh, and then, you know, without telling these guys what they even were, they, they're, it's it sort of like started to seep. It's in the zeitgeist. Let's say that. So I figured we just bring that energy <laughs> straight, straight into the episode. Wait, did you end up spoiling them for Mike? Did Michael end up getting his preview of the three things that we're going to hate? I, maybe not no. really. I'm no, I never told him about just, just. Okay. Well, so the story is, yeah, Michael was like, give them to me. And I was like, I don't want to see this. So I took my phone and literally just flipped it over, <laughs> you know, whatever I was doing. I was like, I don't want to see this and like getting texts coming in. I'm like, don't want to hear it. So I'm coming in, but I guess we're both coming in. Yeah, I, I coming said, in fresh to this. I mean, I okay. think he gave a, a kind of a hint. No, he said it was related to cyclocross and maybe the schedule. And I said, that's it. That's all I wanted to know because I felt like I had to take two. And I was like, cool, cool. I just want to have a little bit of prep. Do we, do we feel like that's we all. want to talk about that? The, the schedule? Did we? I don't know if we really did. I, I still am not confident that the schedule is the schedule. We're talking about domestic UCI schedule. But do you. Do, yeah, do you have it up? Can you just can we just like run through it? I mean, we know I do have it up. Yeah, you know we'll get to okay. So yeah, let's just do it. So I mean, but we'll, we know that like, and let's just point out like the first race which we get to is uh, go cross again, right? And that's uh, that's first week September sixteenth and seventeenth, first weekend of the USCX, right? From there, 
Well, I think we're coming in hot with the USCX like we did last year. It's going to be bing, bang, boom, three of them right off the bat. So we're wrapping up that. It's the, I don't know, the typical fast start to the season, right? And then we have one World Cup, which is Trek, which follows Charm City, I believe. So uh, it seems like this is kind of the new way it's going to work with the USCX, which is awesome that we have it. But it's just like, you better come in on form because three quarters of the series are over before so you So hit play. me with those the next event. So we go to Rochester, uh, September 23rd and 24th. And then we... So this is what's throwing me off yeah. here, Bill. Yeah, yeah. It's it's on CX24. It's USPCX. That's just a typo. Cyclocross. Charm yeah. City. So Okay. So we so right. so we have three three rounds of the USCX to start off this season. We got Roanoke, Rochester, Charm City. This next event here, let's talk about breaking the glass ceiling here for, for UCI events. Because this is the one that I think everybody's looking at the schedule going, is this really right? And just by us saying this, is is one just like this, this mindset that we've gotten into and also kind of this categorization that I think we start to put these races in and what level they may be on the calendar. So with that, what's next? Big debut before the World Cup is Major Taylor on October 7th and 8th. Amazing. And it makes sense, right, Zach? You, we were going over maps before we started recording. <laughs> Geography! Yes. I, I mean, counting, like the counting day was one of the best shows of the year for me. Uh, this makes sense. I mean, I guess I'm excited because if people go, you know, it's only like, uh, Michael, how far of a drive do you think it is from Chicago to Indianapolis? Like one hour, maybe two? Chicago to Indy. Let's see. Chicago. I have no idea. Where, uh, it is two hours. My, Michael was doing like minority <laughs> report there. Uh, he was moving things around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to locate. Pretty sure it's about four. Okay. Yeah, it's about four, which I'm excited about being in Chicago. But Can you tell me how far is LA to San Francisco? Eight oh, hours? Man. Uh, we t- when I did that, when I did with that, with my folks, we did Highway One. It took like two days. Okay. All right, just, just I'm <laughs> so. just saying regional bias. Okay, all right, all right, go ahead, uh, Bill. To answer, your, I like it. You know, I mean, we that was typically the two weekends that we would have a World Cup, and so since we only have one World Cup, someone had to step in, and uh, you know, again with the travel and how hard it is to make ends meet in cyclocross. I like that major Taylor stepped into that role instead of, I don't know, it's a chance for two races in the Midwest folks to kind of like hit them up both instead of having one, I don't know where else, you know, back on the East coast or something like that. So I like it. Yeah. And it's also an opportunity for this. It's a nice race. It's, it's something that I don't think a lot of people have gone to because it always falls in a place in a season and no shade on them when we used to run DCCX as a UCI race it it sort of ran in the same issue a lot of times it would always fall it's like you 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 know now it's USCX 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 and then you know, world cups and then we need a break let's take a break everybody's going to take a, a week off and if you were scheduled in that week off as a UCI race not a lot of people would show up to your race who are at the at the top level but i think for this it's a great warm up race it's you know not too bad from Chicago. So you could theoretically get some European teams who may show up to Major Taylor, which would be wild and amazing and a lot of fun and something that most of them, I mean, it's it's got some features on it. It's got a nice little descent. It's got some whoops on there. It's it's a it's a good little course. So that'll be cool. I, I like that. But that that's like the big shocker. Because when when we first saw it, it was like, wait a second, that's Charm City's date or that's Rochester's date, you know, usually right before the, the World Cup. But yeah, Major Taylor. So on from there, Michael. So then we go to Kings CX, uh, October 21st, 22nd. Then we've got the typo. We've got Really Rad on October 28th and 29th. That, that ties up the uh, US CX. And then another big, the big change, uh, which was announced last season, uh, we have Pan Ams on November 4th, and that's in Montana, and it's not uh, stepping on any other dates on the calendar. So NoHo is free and clear. You can do, you, if you want, you can do Pan Ams, and you can do NoHo. Can I jump in? Yeah. 
I, the thing that stands out, we have really rad a broadcast race during October week or during Halloween weekend. So, you know, I think for uh, T-shirt guy and some of our other heroes out there, I think this is a golden time to get reprimanded <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of show that aspect of American cyclocross to our friends right, uh, from a golden opportunity. Josh Bauer, this is your time, my guy. You're, you got to race cross. This I'm year. not surprised. The really rad's not uh, like rebranding to spooky cross or like really, re- really rad spooky cross or something like that. You know, going for the Halloween theme and just, you know, just going to use that Halloween pun up until it's dead. Scary rad. <laughs> Scarily rad. Boo. Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> okay, so we go to Pan Am's. Then we go to NoHo, November 11th and 12th. Um, then we go to North Carolina Grand Prix, the 18th and 19th of November. Um, and then we, Nationals, um, that Sunday is December 10th in Louisville. And the big thing on the calendar, which we both said in the green room, we all were like, oh, we meant to email the promoters to see if this is really true because we have a cross race post-Nats in Fayetteville called Centennial Cross. And it's the weekend after Nationals, which to me was just a short drive from Louisville. But apparently all you folks on the East Coast uh, think that's that nine hours is a long drive. I think you said it was four, though. I mean, I, I wish that we could have captured, again, the energy of this discussion I, yeah. of our geography discussion. And it was like, I said eight, and then Bill looked it up, and I think it was nine and a half or whatever. But I I don't know. We're, this one is, I, I mean, honestly, to me, I would, no offense to our friends down in Fayetteville, it's kind of a head scratcher. I think that everyone who's going to Europe is, you know, if it's anything like this year, they were, they were on those flights like the day after nationals uh, over to Belgium and you know, with nationals being a little bit earlier this year, there's more, there's an extra weekend, I guess, of, right? Because nationals the 10th? It is, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, so you can, you can be racing the weekend before the curse period that never ends, and then the curse period that never ends. Um, And, you know, so for everyone else who's not, like, folks are kind of like shutting it down, you know, guys, uh, racers, I just look at like Kerry Warner last year, like, you know, nationals was it, that was, that was what he was doing. So, you know, I just it'll be interesting to see if like anyone does it, because if you're chasing points, I mean, I guess it might be a chance to snag a few extra points uh, for the next domestic season. But I don't know how much point chasing is really that important to folks. No. I, I It might you know who it is. It's it's for everyone who's kind of like in that second tier, you know, points are tougher to come by. And so maybe that'll be the riders who do it because then you have points for the next season to have much better call-ups. It does. It is a C1 and a C2. So, I mean, yeah, there are big points. And look, if... Sure, you can leave post-nationals and you can go to Europe. Great. Uh, I'm of the opinion that maybe there's not a lot over there in Europe right now, except for vibes and experience and you want to get that. That's great. But like you said, like you can just stick around Short nine-hour drive to Fayetteville. You do a little mountain biking. You hang out with the Waltons and the Rafa crew. Show up to C1, snag some points. Then you start your off-season, and you're in, and you're in Fayetteville, and you're riding mountain bikes and having a good time. You're doing the jumps. You're going to pump track. You're uh, going to the art museum. You're getting ice cream. I think it's a good end to the season right there. This, go, this is a perfect segue into my first idea that everyone may hate. I like the idea of the UFCX. I think it. I think it should exist. In 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 my new calendar here that I'm going to throw out at you, the whole UCX USCX would happen before the US World Cup. So for this time before Waterloo. So you would basically, you know, go across Rochester, charm, push really rad up, and then go to Waterloo. And then after that, no more UCI races in the U.S. Hmm. So if you want to be a professional bike racer, 
and you want to race UCI cyclocross, you have this opportunity in the beginning of the season to get those points that you all just talked about for better grid position, which I don't think why, why it really matters. If it's not a UCI, if we don't have any more UCI races, you can just go cross results and then you can just grid wherever the heck you want to grid. So why people are chasing points, but never leaving the U.S. is beyond me. So you're saying have the races, but they're not UCI designated. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. So I forgot about Pan Ams. And Pan Ams throws a little bit of a of of a of a wrinkle in this because that should be a more important race than people take it. I, I mean, it's a ton of points if again, if you care about points. So my whole thing was like you come back for nationals. And then if you really want to do that Fayetteville race, fine. But I would think you just turn around and you head back to Europe. If, if what I the the what I am coming around to, yeah, I'll get to you a second. Zach. What I'm coming around to is that if you want to be good racing in Europe, you have to be in Europe. It can't be a vacation. It has to be a commitment. That's not going to be viable for everybody. I get it. It's not fair. It's it's uh you know cutting off a certain segment. But if you're good enough to do it, that's where you should be because that's where the good racing is at that level. You can still have a U.S. cyclocross scene. I love U.S. cyclocross, but it just doesn't have to be UCI. Is there like with the I feel like the UCI designation, though, I think gives there's just some extra weight to it. It's pretend it's a fiction. Why is it extra weight? You could have the same prize. You could have the same prize money. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying it's, it's, but it's fiction. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it has, it's based in reality, but if you went to regional races, would as many people show up to these? I think some of the appeal is like, we're a UCI race. Like you should come to our race. And so the question, I guess, for the rest of these events would be, would they be able to, and not that this is our concern, but you know, would they be able to maintain the, amateurs coming to to race them or or whatever um you know but that might be that might be a moot point because you know i would like to see so you know we're kind of like oh why are we going to missoula well there was a really cool race there called rolling thunder that was kind of like this rate night race uh that they'd put on for years and i was like man it'd be cool to like go to cool races you know like cool events and so maybe this would actually create an impetus for events to create instead of just being like our you know, where you say a race, you should come to go to cool events. Like, Oh, is there a really cool, is there a really cool cross crusade race? We should go to that. You know, is there DCCX? We should go to that. That's a great event, you know, that kind of thing. And might place more on building events in a different way instead of just getting UCI status. Hmm. Michael, you were saying that nobody should go to Europe because there's good racing here. What do you, what do you think about this proposal? Well, I, I think that, yeah, I think like who cares about like from a certain perspective of a racer and as a fan, who cares about Europe? Like there's there's pretty, we had a plenty of fun racing to watch, dynamic racing here in the States that do it here. Be homegrown. Be, you know what? Sure, you could go to Europe and maybe there is that prestige and taking part in a race that's sanctioned by an international federation and, and there's history there and but you're slogging off the back for 40th, 50th, you know, trying to make the lead lap and you're grinding it out in a different country and it's it's cold and it's it's wet and you, there's no fans. Just stay here. Race in the States. Who cares about Europe? Um, I do wonder, if, you know, I did with Zach, like, like I see what you're saying. I wonder if that would, what would that do? Because if, if it's not UCI, would the cross racer who wants to do really well in the States, but doesn't want to go to Europe, would they say, well, is it worth it to build a whole season around this? And and maybe I just do gravel instead. No promoter in the U.S. right now, there may be an exception. Most of the promoters in the U.S. right now, if they said, we are not going to be a UCI race next year, would lose sponsors. There aren't any sponsors that are going to be like, well, you said you were going to be a UCI event. The sponsors don't know. They don't care if there are even any sponsors, period. Yeah. So take that off. 
Then you save your UCI fees. You're already paying USA cycling fees because you have to have amateur races to be able to pay for your UCI race. This is what we did at DCCX when we decided we didn't want to be a UCI race anymore. We offered C2 money still. So you could still have the same prize money. It doesn't have to affect your prize purse at all. You can still bring out the same people. You just have to get away from this fiction that for the majority of the people racing at the end of the day, UCI means anything. And if it does mean something, this isn't past a certain point in the year. This isn't where you should be racing. Now, stuff has to happen in Europe to make this possible. You know, we, we need to figure out how to allocate resources to help people who want to be there. You know, they, like, if Jeff Proctor isn't bringing AJ August to Copenburg, you're saying 40, 50th, this kid won that race. It's, I, he probably will not race cyclocross as a career, I would guess, because he's just as talented on the road. But th- that gave him the opportunity to be seen by everybody who can actually pay for him to have a living racing his bike, racing cyclocross in Europe. That's not going to happen by winning Rochester. So shouldn't we? And the thing is, if the longer you stay, the more you get into that system, the more you're able to, to acclimatize to that type of racing, the more comfortable you are. You're not just living out of a suitcase. I think you have better opportunities to actually do well in that type of racing. I think if you're AJ August, yeah. And I think that, unfortunately... But why does it have to stop there? Shouldn't, shouldn't we have more AJ August out there? I mean, we, should we? We want... Where are they? I don't know. Like, I mean, well, I, have we given them? Have we sort of proposed this type of an opportunity in the past for this? No, to happen? we certainly do. We do this. Don't we do this with road racing? Do you think like guys yeah. like Sepkus should just stay at home and like you know there are a lot of great races, road races here that they could race? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. <laughs> no, there's not. <laughs> no, I, I see your point. I, I guess I'm thinking like also it's like we've who was like the last American to really go all in on Europe. Jonathan Page, right? And no one and who who did it like all in? Who am I who, oh Katie Compton? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. True. Sorry. Big omission there. Apologies, friends. Um, I, I guess I guess I'm saying like th- so like so th- this is what you're saying. This is back up. You're saying there is no program to support those over there in Europe the entire time. So I guess maybe I'm coming around or I'm understanding your because like no one else is doing it, right? And because you can't do it, and like the your level is not good enough to go over there and be an AJ August. So you're just sort of that you're then in like in the grind, and you're not sort of making that headway and that progress. Like I don't know. I guess there's just it's like how do you get all those riders to that level without them going over there? But how do you have the sport to get them going over? I don't know. I, I think we have an idea of the riders, up-and-coming riders, who who really have that potential to be at that level. I, I think for part of this, and again, this is you know, this is kind of what we do. It's kind of why I like bringing <laughs> these ideas because people are going to go, "That's stupid," you know. But I think that the the second part of that is that there needs to be some sort of a system there for success to happen. It, it can't be the you know Jonathan Page just figuring it out as you go. And we saw that on the road a lot too, until there was more of an American racing community for road yeah. racers that were, that were able to do that. You know, I mean, and, and that's starting to happen more. I mean, there's a whole group of people that are like out training in Spain that are juniors and U23 racers. And the, the, the same thing could be possible for cyclocross. But I, I think the thing is like taking away that, well, there's UCI racing at home just kind of burning the ships there and saying, okay, if this is your dream, it's got to happen over here, you know, and, and, and having more, not just saying, not just dropping you off at, you know, the, um, Brussels airport and saying, good luck. Uh, but you know, having some sort of system in place to, to, to give these athletes a, a, a better opportunity. And it doesn't necessarily have to be through the Federation, but it has to be through something. In the course of like thinking about this, I've come around. I, I think this is a good idea. 
Uh, I think that in the US CX series, we actually do have a nice product to market. You know, it's it's concise, it's four weekends, it's broadcast, there's narratives around it. Uh, and I, I look at like this year, I think the women's field really suffered from not having Clara Hansinger there. We saw this um, at at nationals, you know, I did the Taylor Swift thing or whatever, and the song for her was Bejeweled. And it was just like, she lit up being at that event. Like you just felt the presence of having your star athlete be at nationals. I think everyone felt it. And like not having her at the USCX was a bummer. And I think it it hurt the product. And, you know, Magalie was obviously sick, but you want your best athletes. So this would be a way for them to just do it all, you know, get it in. Because there's no, we were talking about, there's no European series races till Copenburg crossed this year. There's nothing in October. You know, there's the World Cup, sorry. But like the first World Cup isn't until like the end of, end of October anyway. So get it done burn it out, you know, let's, let's keep our athletes here and then send them to Europe. And like you said, I, I think it's unequivocal that you have to live there to, to get acclimated and do well. You can't be, you know, like back in the damn room, like, you know, Katie Keogh would be like on the plane and then back in America and on the plane. And she still did well, which was really impressive. Um, but living there, being immersed in it and getting settled in and not having it be like this vacation is good. So my only other thing I was going to say is, I still love the double weekend with Pan Ams and U.S. Nats. I say put Pan Ams right before U.S. Nationals. You come back two weekends, go back and finish your season. I think it'd be. No, I like no, it. Do you no, like it? Just move Pan Am and Nats to Europe. Then, I mean, come Pan on. Ams. I'm changing. Let's go I'm whole changing. hog. Let's go all I'm changing. in. I'm changing my 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 one from a few years ago. I'm shifting it. Pan Ams at Zolder. Okay. So still come home for nationals. Let's still have our nationals party. Let's hold on to that. I, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. Pan Ams is just the, 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 the wrench in the works here. So Pan Ams at Zolder. Do Pan Ams Euros together, one race, split them up. There you go. Wait, we're doing this like back in the day when the U23 winner comes out of the elite field. Like, oh, you finished 17th. You're... <laughs> Congratulations, Curtis. You finished 23rd. You're the new Pan American <laughs> yeah, no, champion. <laughs> He's like celebrating. He's like celebrating, you know, doing that meme of the guy who's like on the podium <laughs> yes. celebrating. It yeah. turns out he's in like fifth. Curtis, everyone's like, why is this guy celebrating? He's like, I just won Pan Am. <laughs> US, y'all. US Pro Philadelphia again. <laughs> exactly. So we're doing yeah. it. We're doing it. Okay. Let's, I mean, let's just squeeze it into Glasgow too. Let's throw it all, let's throw it all together. Second. Second one. Oh, this that is, was just one. Woo, first one was, that was I know, that first Neither one of these are going to top that. These okay. are just, uh, okay. just, these are almost administrative in, in, in comparison. I just want to know if you're going to get, like, I'm looking down the list of the UCI races after the World Cup, and I'm like, which one of these promoters is going to email Bill? Like, that's a terrible idea. Which promoter is going to be like, Bill, that, thank you. That would save me a lot of money. <laughs> I, I, will, I, will, I will have that conversation with anyone, and I will tell them, Here's the thing. I was on a race organization team that did this. So I, I, I know how it goes. It's, it's, it's really not a bad thing. You know, you don't, you don't have to pamper a UCI commissaire and put them up in a nice hotel and drive them to the race every day to make them feel good and give you a good post-race report. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Just give away the same prize money, have a huge party. People will still come to your event if it's a good event and you're done. Yeah, and if you're Fayetteville and you have an end of December event for some reason, be a World Cup again. Okay, uh, number two. This, this this is one hard. And it, again, this this is a. I'll just say, it. Federation should subsidize uh, these UCI races that we have left in the U.S. So these these beginning of the season UCI races under this new calendar. UCI racers should not pay a registration fee. They should not pay for parking. They should. They are the product. We need to start treating the racers at that level as the product, not as the source of income so that you can have this race where they come race at. It, it, and this, this goes back sort of what, why I was thinking about this was once again, you know, what we talk about a lot is kind of sort of that lost systemic lost generation of people who are out of high school and now have to pay for everything on their own. And we just lose them. They're like at their peak of, 
you know, physical and competitive levels. They're just like, just coming into their own as being the best athletes they can be. And they're like, well, I got to go to school and I got to get a job and I got to do all this kind of stuff. I can't pay to do the races. I can't do this anymore. So let's at least take a little bit of that burden off of them. Or even the people who are privateers out there, let's take that burden off of them. So there should be a way, either it's reallocating some of the money that goes to other things in cyclocross from the Federation to give to the promoters. I don't want to put this on the promoters. I don't want promoters to take a loss. I need, but I think this is, if you're looking at places that USA Cycling, who I know will say we don't have any money because we hear about it all the time, but there is some money there and things can be, priorities can be shifted around. One of those priorities should be UCI racers don't pay for the races. Is that everyone? I mean, all UCI racers, like one through 95? I would go, I would say yes. And I'd also say uh, not juniors. So just elites. Okay. Sounds good to me, Bill. I I can't yeah I can't I don't I can't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. This is this one's hard right, to exactly. argue against because you're spending somebody else's uh, yeah. money. Yeah, I mean, I was just trying to like I was trying to like run the numbers. I mean, so if you had it's a lot of money because if you it's had say eighty as is now, we were doing about eighty racers per race. They charge a hundred bucks. That's eight. That's sixteen thousand dollars a weekend. But if you're giving it away for, fr- I mean, it's it's the same thing though. It's like you're giving it away for free. <laughs> you're gonna have more people show up. I, maybe that's good that you'll have more full fields if you can save a couple hundred bucks to like, oh, come do a UCI race for free. I think like, people would do we'll more. Get more full fields to get more people doing it. And again, our brief one month of cyclocross bliss here in the U.S. will be better because there's more people. I think you know the one thing. I guess maybe it's my bias from doing these stories, but I think there is value in the the midfield like of American cross, like, you know, Jay money. And we just story about Casey and stuff. And I, I think like there is value, like in some way, that's kind of like that wanting to chase a ridiculous dream of UCI points is like, there's some value in that. And, you know, maybe this would encourage that and just kind of condense it into that way. And we'd get more people who do that and provide, more of that excitement. I mean, nothing's worse than like a 20 person UCI field. Like they're fun when they're full, like, you know, kick it off at Rochester with that one ridiculous corner at the tree. And it's just absolute chaos. And, you know, Kevin Bouchard Hall tell you it's terrible, but it's still fun. Like there's energy to it. So, okay, Bill, in your proposition, uh, anybody buy UCI lace, UCI license, I'm a UCI racer. I get in for free. So there's that, Upfront cost. Okay. All right. So I mean, like, not to not to like, I'm not a Europhile here, but that's again, you don't pay to race in Europe. People pay to see you race at any level. The people who are three laps back did not pay for that race. They didn't pay to park. So. That's, it's just, it's just another, it's just sort of changing our mindset on, on if we want this at the top, if we're saying that these are elites, these are professionals and that's how they should be treated. It's the same way that goes into that first point of there should be a limited number of UCI races. If these are truly professionals, then they should be racing with the rest of the professionals. So and I don't have any experience with this and maybe you can tell me, can I, if I bought a UCI license, become a, a UCI registered cyclocross racer, could I go to Europe and get in a UCI race, or do I need some like some you, sort yeah. of result or some sort of resume? Okay, I mean it might right. fall up. Okay, oh that's right. We learned last year the the hundred field limit. Okay, I mean I, that's interesting to see, like because we have a UCI mountain bike race in northern Louisiana coming up, and I was talking to a friend. You know, there's a C two, and he's like, "I'm gonna do it." I'm like, "Okay, sure, friend." He's like, yeah, I'm going to buy a license. I don't, I don't care. I just want to do it. I just want to go and race a UCI. I'm going to spend the 200 bucks. Yes, I, that, that is something that seems worthy to me. So, you know, you could apply that towards cross and you could, yeah, maybe, maybe Zach, those fields will be 80, 90, huge. But, oh, this, this, sorry, this is my point that I was going to come back to was that once again, then the points will matter, right? Because you will need to get a good start in your UCI race because there's only going to be eight of them at the beginning of the year and you want to make sure like the points will then that's what the points will be worth it if there are 80 people in the field 
what I'm hearing here is the American cyclocross community. Uh, you know, we, we lost a, a really important retirement uh, this year. Uh, Tyler Cloutier, everyone's favorite midfielder, is retiring. You know, he, he decided he's quitting. Uh, there's a gap. And for the content, Michael, I mean, how do you feel about Belgian architecture and Belgian homes and being that guy for the content? You and Felipe could hang out. You'd be a smash hit. I- Cyclocross Radio will pay for your UCI <laughs> license. <laughs> I, for the content, Michael. Oh, my gosh. I wish that I – I mean, like, I'm not even – I'm, I'm not even – I'm like – uh, Cloutier would run laps around me on a cross race. So unfortunately, you wouldn't get much content from me. That's what I'm trying to say. Here, Here's the thing about Tyler Cloutier and this new system that I'm, I have proposed. He has retired from UCI racing. So this, you know, as he, he's, he's the godfather at this point. As much as he wants to get out, we're just pulling him back in. Because now he's got that second half of the season. Same races, but they're not UCI races. He can just go do whatever he wants and doesn't have to break his UCI retirement. Right, because it was totally about the UCI designation and not traveling <laughs> across That's, the country. That is, like, that is how I interpreted what he said. He's like, I'm not racing UCI races anymore. So I, this that first, that first whole thing that people are going to hate, that is the Cloutier designation. Okay. Number three. Ready for the third one? We're talking about worlds. Our favorite subject, worlds selection criteria. Without ever racing a cyclocross race, if a U.S. mountain biker gets on a World Cup podium, they have a spot on the world's team for cyclocross if they want it. World Cup CX. World Cup mountain bike. Oh, they can go. If you go to Val Sol and you end up on the podium in an elite race, come race cyclocross, please. Chris Blevins, you get on a UCI podium this year, you, wanna, you don't have to go to Charm City when you're just cracked because you think it'd be cool to race worlds. You don't have to play that game. We know you're an exceptional athlete. Hallie Batten, I know you hate running. I know you hate cyclocross. I don't care. If you get on a cyclocross podium, I mean a, a, a mountain bike podium at the World Cup level, you're in. You get to go race worlds. I like it. Do short tracks count? <laughs> uh, no. Just cross I like country. it as long as it is sort of like a, the, an above and beyond the sort of regular team selection. The team says we can only take six plus bonus because we had blevs. And uh, and um, on the on the podium, yeah. Well, you only have so many that you can take, though, under the UCI rules. So it, it would be, you know, there is a possibility it would exclude somebody else. From okay, that. well then they have is to there, do though, a short track race. Is there though, we took what two people? Yeah, right. <laughs> I that's my really that is my point. <laughs> I don't think we're at risk of being like, man. I like that. I'm all in. Great idea. I think this is a great idea. It's like the third row World yeah, Cup absolutely. thing, but, but it's also it's like it's you know, pulling in other athletes that are really I, good, right? I and I just think like you could say it for road, but I just don't think that that translates the same way. The mountain bikers they they can do this, and 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 I think it's like we Wait, need to look gravel worlds, we need, podium at gravel worlds, possibly. Yes, <laughs> yes. If you beat Gianni, you can be on the world's team, but the. the but the, what this does is it sort of opens it up to a wider berth where you don't have to have people going through this, jumping through the hoops, which are fine. And I understand it's there. I understand why it's there. I'm not always un- understand how it's adjudicated, but you know, there is a system, but we also have phenomenal athletes in here who ride bikes. Let's tap into that talent. And if they want to race cyclocross, if they're, if they're like Yolanda Neff, if they're like Pauline Ferrand Prevost, if they can just jump into cyclocross and crush it. I want them there. Well, and they would meet the criteria. I mean, they would, you're establishing performance, pretty high performance criteria. You're not just saying, hey, we like you. They still have to get on those podiums at those World Cups, which fits with the program that what we're doing for sending athletes to Worlds now. So 
It works. So, okay. I, I want to like sort of piggyback off this and say, let's talk about U.S. Uh, world selection. We just saw on the news, well, not not just, but recently it was announced USAC is doing a gravel national championships. Um, and maybe we'll talk about the $60,000 prize purse later. But the top three in the national and elite national championships go to gravel worlds. What if your top three at nationals go to worlds? I, I mean, I'm just happy that the top one goes to worlds. <laughs> That that's only like three years old. That was that was not an automatic qualifier when the three of us began worrying about automatic qualifications. So top three? Sure. I'm good. Send the podium. Fine with it. I don't know. I kinda like it. I you know, we're in March. It's you know, the tail end of March Madness, and it's like you win or go home. Like if you perform at the highest stage, like no one cares that you had the best record in the regular season. I, I'm all for it. Like, I've, I've wanted that. Like, you podium at Nats, you go to Worlds. Like, I think that's really cool, you know, and that gives something to that makes it more intense, that puts more pressure on riders. It shows riders who can handle pressure, and it makes it more interesting. Instead of now, we're just like, yeah, well, whatever. Oh, yeah, you got on the podium. That's cool. You know, like, make them fight for something. Make it more interesting. I, I like that idea. It's also an incentive to race nationals. I know that, I mean, I, I think it's tough to argue against that U.S. nationals is the biggest nationals in the world. We care about nationals more than I think any other country out there. It's the biggest race of the world of the year. It's it's for most bigger than going to worlds. I mean, look at all the you know you know look at um who was it who skipped Dutch uh, which women skipped Dutch nationals? Well, Shireen didn't do it. We know that. Yeah, so I mean, there are people who are like choosing not to do nationals. So if you say this is your ticket to go to Worlds, then more people are going to show up. I'm all for that. Yeah. So is this every every category, just up and down the juniors, U23? Bill, you know I don't care about U23 and juniors. I'm just thinking about the leads. <laughs> but sure, yeah, why not? I mean, like, so I we'll run into the the, the funding uh, issue whether they can send. You know what is that nine one two three four five six yeah categories um but yeah no that's yeah that's how yeah that's send can't carry carry should have gone to worlds last year all right well that was it those were my three any anything anything else that you all have um that similar any other cyclocross we should talk about or should we uh, spend this last 20 minutes here uh well, i have one last thing so i have one last thing so if if we are making i i knew yes, i knew you, you would knew... <laughs> here we go if you're if we're condensing the pro cx season to these four weeks in the beginning of the year let's just let's get let's let's call up the ncl let's get their agent's number Let's let's get some NFL, NBA seed money. Have them just buy the whole series, and we'll just turn the UCX into a NCL, you know, type property. And we'll let's get we'll give them wages, and then they can go race in Europe. Like boom, done. How about this? Let's just get that three hundred thousand dollars that evidently the ncl <laughs> isn't going to use for the ncl from that million dollar pot if i'm reading this correctly and just port that over to cyclocross if you got this music money and you're not using it for for this crit league then just just yeah. give it over to us we'll 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 be good shepherds of your of your i mean that's what's K. crazy is you're talking about for like some of these former bat like one one week of wages would fund an entire cyclocross series <laughs> The amount of money, you know, that you're asking is 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 so little. It's like it's like in the wire, right? When Cuddy is is starting a, a boxing gym and he's just like he goes to Avon and he's like, Oh man, you know, I just want to get some gear stuff and I, I don't know, are you gonna be able to do it? And he's like, How much are you thinking, man? He's like, twenty thousand <laughs> just starts laughing. He's like, Are you kidding me? He's like, Here, here's twenty thousand dollars. Here's here's forty, you know. <laughs> Not saying that we should get a drug dealer, but I'm just saying we should find someone rich enough who's like, oh, three hundred thousand that can fund like an a whole euro team and a whole series and do bill's idea they're like ah, here here's a check look getting drug dealers to, to to sponsor your um 
world-class events is not unheard of. We had Amgen for years. So, you know, it's 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 doable. I mean, look, it's good on NCL. It's a it's an untapped market of of a bunch of millionaires and who who got money to spend. And yeah, let's get, get find them all into cycling like CX. It's a, it's a new it's a new underground sport. Come on over, come on over, NFL, NBA stars. Yeah, look, it's it's more physical when in cyclocross as opposed to whatever it is they're doing. When you cross the finish line, you win. There's no, you know, there's just like, it makes sense. It makes sense as a sport. The pit makes a lot more sense in cyclocross than whatever they're doing in Miami. So, hey, I think they'll love that. You can do all kinds of boxes and diagrams and special lines. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it makes sense. All right. Michael, have you been on Criterium Nation yet to discuss this event? I have not. Okay. I, I think you need to. I think you and Rob need to. Rob, you know my number. De- decipher, decipher the mystery of that. You can find me on Slack. Rob, Rob is just like, just he's just he's just slowly letting the info go, one post at a time. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, so, okay. First question here. I transferred the big three from the men's elite to the women's elite, and I believe that that was a legitimate call in that we had Puck, Femme, and Shireen, a legit big three. The big three everybody wanted to talk about in cyclocross, Pidcock, Wout, Machu. Has Pidcock done enough, Michael, to bring him back to big three status? Um, It seemed like it at first. And what did he do? He won Strada Bianca. But then Wout took him out and kind of derailed his season a little bit there. Um, he was uh, he raced today at Dwarves. But yeah, I mean, he came out hot with the win at Strada. He, he gave up Worlds, and he looked really good for that. Uh, when, in, when in a race that both um, Matthew and Wout have won before, and although, you know, Stebar, it's a, it's a race for cyclocross riders. So I think he's, he, was, he was looking good. It was like a good choice. It was like, do you... Do you trade a Worlds you're probably not going to win for a Strada win? I think so. And that was a good choice. And then he had a little crash, and uh, I think in Torino, and uh, Wout bumped him on the ground, and uh, he got a little concussion. But yeah. I, I clearly probably don't have much to offer to this conversation as the resident doesn't really watch Road Guy. But I remember saying, I said, you know what, Pitters? You better freaking win a classic if you're bailing on Worlds. And so, Michael, I'm really glad that you brought that up. And he did. So I'm really proud of him. I think that it was a a good decision. Uh, But along those lines, got our guy Vanderpool, wins Cyclocross Worlds and just starts bad-mouthing Cyclocross. Michael, this was going to be my question. This is my question for you, you, Zach, is that he comes off of Cyclocross Worlds. He's not feeling it. The sensations aren't there but then he goes out and wins milan san remo so was he was this true is cyclocross three years ago we learned that cyclocross is the best thing that road racers could do to get better at road you know this was we had wow we had pidcock we had uh, vanderpool winning all these races people you know were were talking about um uh uh, 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 I'm blanking on the the uh, Alaphilippe. Didn't he race a cyclocross race once? So he's a cyclocross racer. Everybody's a cyclocross racer, and that's what you need to do to to be better at uh, racing road. And then Vanderpool's like, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have done this. Uh, but it seems to have paid off now. I mean, I think the the proof is in the pudding with him winning Milan San Remo. This is just typical Van Air and Vanderpool it's ridiculous. It's the weirdest thing ever. Like, uh, I feel, I feel terrible. You know, Vanderpool's like, I don't even know if I know how to ride a bike anymore. Like goes out and, you know, wins the tour. Like, uh, you know, Van Eretz like, yeah, I'm just not feeling good. So I read it as just typical Vanderpool, typical Van Eretz, you know, playing, playing the mind game, them playing the mind games. I think it's pretty clear that, and he was probably upset. He was probably frustrated with his results. And like you said, he didn't have the sensations, but um, at the same time, I wonder if there was some of that like gamemanship, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do so great here. I just cyclocross was a terrible idea. Boom. Wins Milan, Milan, Remo. So 
that's my take on it. That is my eternal take on every time Vener and Vanderpool talk about where their fitness is at and the excuses that they make. Well, I mean, so he kind of looked like Butt and Strada. He didn't look too good in Torino. He was doing lead out. He was on lead out duty. Um, but here's my thing about Milan San Remo. The, the race is really just about as long. It's even less longer than a cross race from the Poggio to the Suppressa to the finish line. I mean, it's not that much of an effort. He's got enough base fitness to do that effort. And still, because because here we go to E3. Wout, Pogachar, Vanderpool coming down to a sprint. You know, Wout's going to get to can he beat Vanderpool in a sprint again? And he did. See, I, I think Vanderpool's not at the, he's still not at his top level. So, so would you say that if I'm, if I put this into cyclocross terms, Milan San Remo is like you and David ride home from Coke Sida and then race a cyclocross race? Yes. Okay. Um, maybe. Just possibly, and I don't know. Maybe this plays into what he's saying. Being how old are they now? Twenty nine. Yeah, I think so. Twenty eight. So, twenty eight. That's not twenty three or twenty four. Maybe it takes you two weeks to recover. Wout seems like he's doing okay in the spring. I mean, I know, I know there was that one tragic. He was in the break with another guy and got smoked, and it just didn't go well for him. Seems to be going well. Uh, my question for you, obviously, since I didn't watch it, Michael, what did Wout do right in the sprint? Did he learn from the world sprint? Like, how did was there some like learning and trying to learn from our uh, crushing defeats at uh, at Hoogerheide? So, uh, yeah, I think so. I think that. I think it was a longer sprint and I think we know that. And so he even mentioned it at worlds, the worlds, right? He's like, I was missing a gear. I was not on the right gear. It was a shorter uphill punchier sprint. Vanderpool is the punchier guy, but wow is a field sprinter. Vanderpool. We don't see him winning a ton of field sprints. Wow. Can do it. Wow. Can go faster. So that's what he had to do. Had a little bit longer, a little more speed. Um, and yeah, like I said, Vanderpool tricked y'all with his Milan San Remo win, but Wout's actually in better shape. Yeah, and with, with that sprint, I think that basically what Wout was saying, and they did bring up uh, Cyclocross Worlds in his in his interviews, and he's like, yeah, and he he kind of said this after Worlds that he was kind of like doubting himself, and he was just following what Vanderpool was doing, and it, it I think it finally clicked that he's like, I can sprint long, you know, I exactly what Michael's saying. I can do this from a long way out. And uh, Vanderpool got like half a stroke, pedal stroke in, and, and Wout was ready. And he was right there. And he was already wound up and 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 ready to roll and yeah, and had all the gears he wanted to. But I think it was just that confidence. It was like, I'm not waiting. Like, he was ready to go. I think it was actually Pogachar went. So they were kind of following that. But he was, still had his eye on, on Vanderpool and then just was able to out-sprint him on the long haul. And I, I think that that you know, was telling and it will be, I think you're right, Michael. I think Wout is in better shape right now. I mean, we saw it when he came back and, um, did that horrible, horrible, horrible thing again. Welcome them. So, right. At Ghent. So, so Ghent, Wagalum, bent bubblegum. Wow. <laughs> gifts the win to Laporte. Um, a lot of debate. How about this debate? If that was Vanderpool and Philipson, his teammate, would Vanderpool give him the win? Give his teammate the win? What if it was Vermeersh? Right, because actually Vermeersh is going to be more of a worker for Vanderpool at Flanders. Oh, what if it was Quentin? Ooh. What do you guys think? I think you're right. I think that there's a. I think if you're putting odds on who's going to do that, it's going to be. Wow. I, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we have two pretty solid catchphrases to go on. We have Vanderpool, I'm paid to win bike races. He's going to win bike races. I don't, I, I think that, you know, old school cycling family, this is kind of the way, the no gifts, that's kind of the way he was raised. We have the new catchphrase for Wow, which I love, nothing to prove. 
which which was great. And and here here's my thing. And here's my thing for all of the old heads out there. I think that when you are at that level, and nobody's ever questioned that Wout doesn't have what it takes to win, right? Nobody's ever said that. We've seen it over and over and over that he's one of the best bike racers in the world. I think it's harder to not sprint your teammate and not just take the win and to hold back. I think it takes more. It shows me more that you are able to do that because everything, every competitive fiber in your body is like finish line. I'm going to go get it. And, and to not do that. I mean that, I think that I don't think Eddie Merckx has it in him to do that. No, he was the candidate. And I don't think that's a strength. I think that's a weakness. Yeah. Because, because the, at the end of the day, We've, we're told that road racing is a team sport. So would Eddie Merckx rather have it that everybody on Molteni was just going to race him every race against him because the goal is to win the race? I mean, that's basically what he's saying, right? Well, all my guys should have just raced against me because they shouldn't work for me because everybody's supposed to be trying to win. It's not how bike racing works. So I, I just, I did not understand the whole thing when, you know, those guys, Laporte and Wout were rolling up together and, you know, decided who was going to take the win. I, I just, I thought it was great. Uh, so it. before I get to the point, so he, uh, he did the thing with the camera, right? Where he literally just like grabbed the camera. Is that when he made, was that after E3? That was, was at that E3. After? That See, was I, I love it. I love it that. E3 preceded that, and I think he probably got some leeway to do what he did by winning that race. Um, but to make that statement out of nowhere and then the next race just be like, I literally don't give a crap what y'all think, was such a flex. Such a flex. And I, <laughs> this is a terrible analogy, but in um, House of Cards before it sucked, uh, you know, Kevin Spacey and the, the Mark uh, Rooney character, whatever, um, Kevin Spacey is like, you know, you want to flex. Take your good story and give it to someone else. And I, I think it was like a flex on WoW to be like, I can do this. You know, here you go. I, I literally don't care what y'all think. I'm going to let my teammate win. But also, Wout's going to need him as a teammate. I mean, he's the consummate professional and team player, as you said. And, like, that's just going to build, like, good vibes, like, on your team, right? I don't think sprinting your teammates and, like, having this cutthroat attitude. I mean, maybe it worked. For, I mean, Mark's greatest cycle ever, arguably, right? So, like, it probably worked for him. But, like, if you're trying to build good vibes, you know, as yumbo is trying to do what better for team chemistry than to just be like yeah you know you worked your butt off here you go here's a win you know congrats although i guess it would have been cooler if they had done rock paper scissors but well that's already been done right oh have, you're right okay to do okay something, something else yeah i just yeah. i think it's a flex i i think the combination of those are just like the kind of flexes and to your point michael the confidence that we want to see from Mount Venner, where he is taking control of the narrative of the races and not like second guessing himself and really just being on the back foot like he was at Cyclocross Worlds. I love it. And and part of Wout also, I mean, he, he plays a lot of different roles. You know, you know, I mean it's it's granted he's probably gonna win the green jersey again, but come July, he's he's a worker too. Yeah, I mean is he's he has he has a play part to play for whoever Yumbo Visma's team leader is going to be when it comes comes to the hills so he's he kind of knows what it's like yeah and i think you know some of the comments from the the belgian press was i think was about he hasn't won flanders yet he hasn't won a cobble classic uh or maybe a cobble monument um just won flanders or bay so yes to your point zach right it's like there is like i saw a lot of folks worrying like they're all worried about oh wow he's not gonna win like this is, you know, Gant Wagamum is a is a big race. It's like it's like I found myself myself selfishly like, oh wow, in in the competition between you and Vanderpool, like you need this second Gent win. And you're like, oh right, it's 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 not A, it's not about me, obviously. Uh it's not about Eddie or, or Tom or um whoever, Freddie Martins. Uh <laughs> um, but right, it's about it's about wow and, and, and what he wants to do. And yeah, the this Sunday is the big show and it's coming up and look i think the vibes are good on jumbo right now i mean christopher christophe laporte won today's race um with a sort of solo move um but yeah like i, I think he would have been 
happy to sacrifice himself and totally in already to sacrifice himself for a while on Sunday at Flanders. Because, I mean, Wout's going to want to win that. It is a big pressure race, no matter what he says to the press. Like, it's a huge goal for him. Um, so, yeah, he, he just, it's to me, it goes back to our saying, like that we've said is he's the coach's son, right? And, and it's sort of like, it's not, this doesn't quite fit with Amanda Nauman's question on Grodio, but it's like, it's kind of like how you win, how the team wins. Um, that was a good way for them to win uh, on, on Sunday. So there's this concept uh, that was coined by Isaiah Thomas. And I think this could be relevant here. I think, you know, knowing the little I know about road racing, I think Yumbo is going to face a much tougher test from Pojakar this year at the tour. And so being together as a unit is going to be super important for them as they try to win the tour again. Uh, so Isaiah Thomas had this thing called the secret and no, it's not like the manifesting or whatever. Um, but it was, you know, the important thing to win the finals, to win the championship in the NDA is the secret. And really the secret just boils down to playing as a team and liking your teammates. That's the secret is good vibes among teammates. And I think Wout understands at certain level, the importance of the secret and what he's trying to, to build. But Michael, my question, I mean, is this the year is Wout going to win Flanders? I, I don't know. I mean, I think like, I mean, Pogachar Pogachar is, 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 it's phenomenally strong right now. The way he rode, Wow, Wow got dropped at E3. He rode him off his wheel on Ode de Clermont. So, like, and that comes, I think, last at Flanders. So, like, that's basically Pog's chance to win that race. And Vanderpool, obviously, you know, like I said, not as in shape as, as, as Wow, but firing on cylinder. I, I don't know. It's going to be a tough battle. This seems like the best year for him to do it. So we had the the moment at, at Lowenhout, right, where it was, it was Wow. <laughs> Mechu and Pidcock. Uh, and I think it's just incredible, like at E3, right? You had those two and then uh, Pojakar. Would, I mean, would there, how would it compare to have the three of those guys going, you know, down down the stretch together off the front at Flanders versus like Cyclocross? Like how many more levels elevated would that be? Because it just seems like that would be really cool. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal because Pog is is a two time Grand Tour winner, you know, of the of the Tour de France, and to be racing with some of the best, you know, classics one day riders, um, and you don't see that that often uh, anymore. So, I think it would be huge. I think it would be it would be unfortunately be bigger than Cross because Road is bigger than Cross. Yeah. So let me ask you this: So if the three of them crest the Peterberg together and then they just look at each other for the next 30 to 40 minutes until the sprint at the end would that be as boring as you told me cyclocross worlds is was because they were just looking at each other for 30 minutes who said that did i say that both y'all said that i implied it for sure (laughs) <laughs> um would it would it be no because in relation to the amount of action you had before it's not yeah that's it's it's sort of the it's it's the dress rehearsal before the sprint <laughs> i don't I, for some reason i'm contradicting myself but for some reason a road sprint finish like that is way more interesting than two laps of nothingness to it i guess maybe i don't get as excited about cyclocross like i like decisive moves in the last lap i guess that you know and then can you hold the lead to me i guess that's more exciting generally speaking than a sprint i mean sometimes i think Lowenhout was a race where it was super dynamic in the last lap and then it ended up in a sprint so you were kind of like on the edge of your seat for that entire last lap but i don't know i just like the ones where it's like yeah we're off the front all right we know where this is ending. It's going to be a sprint. But like Michael said, with the road, there was all these things that happened before. They've been racing for how many hours before that? And I don't know. Just like with Flanders, I don't know. For whatever reason, I would get more excited about a road sprint and be more engaged in like trying to anticipate that than uh, cyclocross, uh, what happened at cyclocross worlds. 
I'm going to let you off the hook. You're right. That's that's the right answer. It's way more exciting <laughs> if they come across together and it's just the tension that would build for the, after the end of the race. And if anybody's going to try to attack or get away, which would may or may not succeed, or if one person does and the other two look at each other, yeah, that's I, I, we can only hope for that. And it will blow away anything that happened at Cyclocross Worlds. What else you got, Michael, or can we end it there? No, I do. I got one more thing. Yeah, seriously. I just, I don't want, you mentioned the big three in women's cyclocross, and then we just talked about the men, and I want to say that, let's let's talk about Shireen Van Anroy won uh, Trofeo Albindo Alfreda, Alfreda Albinda, whatever, uh, her first big pro win. So women CX racers, Puck, I think, got ninth at Strada. The big three... Puck was one and done, but Shireen looking strong today, top 10 in Dwarves. Like, she's a hell of a, hell of a road racer, too. I'm glad you brought this up because I saw a lot of folks, in, again, most of what I'm gleaning here is from Twitter and what folks are saying online. I really liked the number of folks that were disappointed that they didn't get to have more Puck Petersa, that she's doing the yeah. disciplines that we like, that she's, they don't get her. <laughs> I, she's just like, yeah, I did good. I could probably continue to do this good, but you know what? I want to go to the Olympics and mountain biking. And so I don't care about you. So I, that warmed my heart that people wanted her and they couldn't have her because usually it's the other way around. Uh, exactly what I was going to say. I can't wait until Femme and Puck get out there and start ripping it up on uh, the Mountain Bike World Cup. Which is on GCM this year, right, Bill? That is correct. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's going to be... Yeah, I don't want to prolong this, but it's going to be interesting to see what that coverage is like. As I said before, I can only hope and pray that they went and hired all of the out-of-work Austrian Red Bull camera operators and then contractors with all of that those resources and just do a do a do that again. But we will see. This was fun, y'all. I'm glad we did this. It was it was good to get back in here and uh, talk about some hypothetical things. Um, yeah, let's do it again in a couple weeks. Folks, back before we started talking about privateers and lifetime adventures and aero bars, swift racing was there as the meme discipline we all love to mock. And while the meme machine has moved on to gravel racing, swift racing is still here. Nowhere Fast is the virtual racing podcast you didn't know you needed. It's a real podcast about real racing on fake bikes. Join host Kevin Bouchard-Hall, Mike Swart, and me, Zach Schuster, for interviews, takes from inside the Zeloton, virtual racing coverage, and, of course, cheating. Download Nowhere Fast at the Wide Angle Podium website or listen on your preferred podcast app. You can come for the KBH stories and stay for the semi-serious discussion of real fake racing. And, like, ride on or whatever.